Uh, we're continuing a series uh, that got started last week uh, on hope. <clears throat> and uh, it should be said, uh, I'm not done with the book of Galatians, uh, uh, but uh, we will come back to it uh, in a few weeks once we get uh, through the season of Easter. Uh, if you've been at the church since I've been here anyway, uh, you'll know then that uh, I actually like uh, to enjoy uh, all seven weeks of Easter. Easter is not just a day, but uh, traditionally speaking, it's a, it's a season, and we are in the middle of an Easter season, seven whole weeks, which is then followed by the 50th day, which is called Pentecost, right? And it's on that day, Pentecost, is when the Spirit gets poured out and all the Easter promises to, uh, come to fruition in our lives, right? And so over this Easter season, <clears throat> my hope is to talk about hope. Uh, Let's begin this way. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen, he is risen. He is risen Let us pray together. O oh Lord our God, come find us in this place. To those who rejoice and to those who grieve, remind us of the words of the prophet Jeremiah. Your steadfast love, O Lord, never ceases. Your mercies are new every day. Great is your faithfulness. O Lord, you are our portion. Therefore, let us hope in you. Fill us today with your hope anew. Amen. I want to begin with a definition of hope. <clears throat> if uh, I should have told the, the media crew up there to flash this up there. It's a, ho it's a definition by uh, Douglas Meeks. I think we had it running uh, as everyone was kind of filing in here. Uh, it goes like this. It says that hope orients all thought, action, and relationships to God's ultimate redemption of the creation and to the ultimate communion with the triune God. Hope is the steady orientation to God's making all things new in the constant communion God creates with us and with the whole creation. One more time, there's a lot happening here. Hope orients all thought, action, and relationships to God's ultimate redemption of the creation and to the ultimate communion with the triune God right? Redemption of creation, which includes me and you, and communion with God. This is what we hope for. This is what is yet to come, but it's already the first fruits of it appear with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if we start with this definition of hope, which is what I'm doing, uh, then it's worth asking yourself, am I a hopeful person? And I really want you to ask this of yourself this morning. Am I a hopeful person in this kind of way? Is this what I hope for? And then this, the follow-up would be kind of the title of the sermon, which is, well, how to hope, right? Uh, how do we build this kind of hope in ourselves? Starting with, am I a hopeful person? I, I'm not asking you if you feel uh, hopeful, like an emotion of hope, though hopeful people in the larger sense often do feel more hopeful I, I'm not asking if you are optimistic by nature or if you expect good things to happen to you as you go through about, throughout life, though increasing your larger sense of hope 
my guess is you'll find that actually increases the little hopes in your life as well. Hope, as I want to talk about it today, is primarily what we just heard from Douglas Meeks, which is that all your thoughts and your actions and your relationships are oriented toward God's ultimate redemption of the creation and toward ultimate communion with God. Redemption of the creation and communion with God. The swirl of everyday life gets filled with all kinds of emotions, some high, some low. It gets filled with successes and with failures, achievements and disappointments. But this does not drive your hope at large. Hope is not to be found in the daily, ephemeral, and fleeting instances of life. Instead, the hope we're talking about is a north star. It's fixed high in the sky and into the future. More specifically, the north star that is the Christian hope, it leads you into a future that is ultimate redemption of the creation and a future that is communion with God. And so our verse today, Romans chapter 5, if you hopefully have that out, if not, go ahead and pull that back out. We see that's what Paul is talking about this morning. <clears throat> He's talking about this bigger hope that we have. Hope again, redemption of the cosmos, and hope that we commune with the triune God. In Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, we read the following. Therefore, since we have been justified by our faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God, communion with God, these are one and the same, right? And through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In these two verses, Paul lays out a clear connection between something I mentioned last week, which is faith and hope. And you can picture faith and hope as maybe like a Venn diagram even. As I've processed the sermon, this I often find myself catching myself saying, wait, am I talking about faith now or am I talking about hope? And sometimes the answer is simply yes. It's both of these things. They work in tandem and so we have faith in the far-flung future that will be the redemption of the cosmos, that will be union with Christ and the, uh, and the Father. And we also have hope in that very same thing. These are two similar, but not the same, objects, right? And so with the growth of faith should come the growth of hope. And if your faith wanes, my guess is your hope is going to wane as well. But I want to hone in on verse 2 here because we see a few things. It says, through Jesus Christ, we have access, right? And what is it we have access to? We have access to what he said prior, which is peace with God, communion with God. And how do we get this access? How do we get this communion with God? It says in the lines that follow, by faith, Right? By faith into this grace in which we stand. And this, of course, if you've been around the church long enough, is Pauline Theology 101. We are saved 
by grace through faith, right? And here it is uh, in Romans 5, 1 and 2. We are being saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and I would add, through the faith of Jesus himself. It is a gift of God, and it is only through trusting in Christ's death and resurrection that brings us peace with God or communion with God, but we do not stop there. This faith is intimately connected with what happens in the next verse. And so Paul goes on, and he says, we rejoice, or some translation have, we boast. (laughs) If Paul's going to boast about one thing, it's this right here. We boast in the hope of God's glory. This is what we rejoice in. This is kind of the pinnacle of it, which is to say that our faith and our hope are deeply connected. And we have peace with God, and that is the object of our faith. It's the object of our hope. We have faith that Jesus has made peace with God for us, and we hope and we expect that that future reality will someday be fully manifest in our reality. So to ask the question I started with, are you a hopeful person? Does communion with God or or peace with God light your way forward? Is it your north star that will lead you in times of rejoicing as well as in times of sorrow and suffering? Only you can answer that, but I need you to answer that question this morning. Are you a hopeful person? No matter your answer to that, yes or no, it is worth saying that you can become hopeful and you can increase in hope. And that's what we need to talk about next. How do I become a hopeful person? And to answer this, I think the rest of Romans 5, verses 3 to 5, offers some help. So continuing on in verse 3, we read this. Not only that, but we rejoice or we boast in our sufferings. We rejoice and we boast in our hope, but here Paul's saying also in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. A couple things to note here. First, notice that as Paul gets to hope uh, in verse uh, 4, he connects it directly, not with an emotion, not with something you're feeling in the moment. He connects it to your character. Character is what produces hope, right? What kind of character do you have? Character, of course, is, is who you are when no one's looking, right? We've all heard that. Character. What is your character? What is your hope? Our character gets shaped over a lifetime in many and a variety of ways. Your life choices, they shape your character. Who you surround yourself with shapes your character. What school you attend shapes your character. What job you hold shapes your character. What books you read, what television you watch, whether or not you read your scriptures, whether or not you serve others, 
All of this shapes your character. And it's worth asking, am I being shaped into a person of character who has hope as a characteristic of who I am? And do you have the character of hope? Again, this isn't about how you feel in every given moment. It's about who you are. Are you a hopeful person? The second thing worth noting from the passage is that character and hope is something that can be produced, right? He goes through a litany of things, like suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope. The word here for producing means to like work at something. And it's this idea that we can do something about our own hope. It's not just a fixed piece of who we are. It's something that you can work on and something that you can shape and something that you can form. Much more needs to be said about the relationship between suffering and hope, which is what Paul's drawing on here, and I intend to, to, to write a sermon about that in the coming uh, few weeks. Right, I want to stay at a more general level, though, and just simply say this, that suffering, it doesn't actually always produce endurance. Suffering is an invitation into endurance, but I think we can all think through either our own histories or the histories of other people that we know who have suffered and have not endured. Their suffering hollowed them out or caused a, a weakness within them, and it did not lead to endurance. It actually took them away from it. And so all of these things here, in fact, suffering produces an invitation to endurance, which produces an invitation to character, which produces an invitation to hope. But you have to answer that invitation. And so the more general thing I want to say this morning is that character and hope is something that we can work on and we should work on. And you, as you go throughout your life and, and your character is being formed and shaped, you should constantly be coming back to the question, am I not just a person of character, but a hopeful character? Every day you are either becoming increasingly or decreasingly hopeful. If we wish to be hopeful people, then we need to be exercising our muscle of hope on a daily basis. So let me offer four practical ways to do this. How do we exercise our hope muscles? The truth is, uh, there's actually many, many ways. And I don't intend to cover the whole ground of what you could do to produce hope. This week, my intent is to send you an email daily. And I hope that doesn't bother you too much. Uh, but it's a daily piece of homework for you. Because I'll tell you what. This is my second week of thinking about hope, and I can already tell it's having an effect on me. And I want to have that same effect on you. But to do so, I'm going to need more than 20 minutes of your morning on a Sunday morning, and you're going to need that. You're going to have to be in hope on a daily basis and thinking about hope on a I'll say, I, say, I mentioned that uh, your job 
is something that produces various pieces of your character, right? I am a very fortunate person. I love my job because I get to dwell in the Word on a daily... I have to. I have to pull together a sermon on hope, and inevitably, as I do, it shapes me and it forms me. Most of you don't have that luxury, and so you have to go out of your ways, and you need to go out of your ways to find ways to allow hope to shape you. And so as we go through seven weeks of hope, 49 days of hope, right, my hope is that we get to the end of all of this, and we as a church are a more hopeful people. All right, what are the four things? One, in conjunction with this idea that that faith and hope are intertwined, maybe even cross over some, my first statement is, is kind of the basic one, which is the same sorts of things you would do to improve your faith Right? The faith formation that you are participating in is also hope formation, or at least it should be. And so what are the things you do? Hopefully you do something. If not, then let's start, right? What are things we can do? We can read our scripture on a regular basis. The Old Testament passage for today is Psalm 130. And it goes like this, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. Right? Is that you? Does that define you? The watchman is the person who's sitting at the the gate of the city, and he's watching out for the bandits and the robbers and the the, the hordes and the armies that that might come in and, and take over the town. But what the watchman is really waiting for, because most days that never happens, the watchman is really waiting for the morning to come, because that's when his job's over, and it's safer, and the light of day has sprung. Are you you waiting in this kind of way on the Lord? Is your soul waiting? In his word, are you hoping? So... The first practical way to hope is to be in the Word, and to pray, and to meditate, and to wait on the Lord, and to do the daily disciplines that we all know Christians should be doing on a regular basis. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his Word, I hope. The second thing, and this is a little different than the advice you might normally get, uh, but is incredibly important for hoping, and that is we need to sometimes reframe the daily experiences of life. We need to reframe the daily experiences of our lives. And so when you encounter success or happiness in your life, You should ask yourself, how does this drive me toward redemption and toward transformation and toward communion with God? How is this shaping my character of hope? In times of success and happiness, it might be obvious, actually, because you might feel the emotion of hope because you get swept up into the waves of optimism 
And that's good. Hold on to those times. Because then we also must ask the second question, which is when we encounter trial or tribulation, we should be asking the same exact question. How does this drive me toward redemption, toward transformation, toward communion with God? How is this shaping my character of hope? Suffering in this way, I've already said, it becomes an invitation, right? It's an invitation to hope in a real way, not during the winds of optimism, but during the times of dry time, the times in the desert where it seems like there's nothing to hope for. Uh, in the Sunday school class this morning on Acts, we read through Acts chapter 14. And in Acts 14, Paul visits three cities, and in all three, he uh, is kicked out of them, nearly stoned to death, and then moves along, right? And then, if that's not enough, Paul backtracks and goes through, goes through all three cities again, and then the chapter ends kind of where he started. He's showing uh, the picture slideshow of his journeys, uh, and he says, look what happened to me. Look what God did, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I, Paul has a tremendous amount of hope. If he can see all of these, what many of us would consider failures, right, being kicked out of a town three different times, and he doesn't uh, reframe uh, those failures as failures. He reframes his whole journey as a journey filled with hope and the movement of God. Paul, in this way, is a model of what it means to have both faith and hope, right? That God is at work even when I'm nearly stoned to death. I didn't plan to give you that example but we just heard it this morning in the Sunday school class, and then it sets up just how trivial my real example is <laughs> that I'm about to give you. One from my own life. A number of weeks ago was an Easter egg hunt. Our church got ready for the Easter egg hunt by spending lots of money and lots of man hours getting ready for this moment. The day arrives, the week arrives, rather, and I see rain in the forecast. So what do I do? I start praying on a daily basis. I don't know that I've ever prayed that much for the weather in my entire life. <laughs> Saturday hits, and what happens? At the very moment we're supposed to be gathering in here, the rain starts coming down like cats and dogs. I send poor Dave uh, out... <laughs> to uh, the corner with an umbrella, directing traffic and telling people to come on through and that we're still meeting and come on inside. But I must confess, temptation struck me. And I almost lost hope because I thought to myself, God, why couldn't you answer that prayer? It was a simple prayer. Rain. Rain. You just had to give us a blue sky about an hour earlier than you actually did. You see the silliness compared to Paul's uh, problem here, right? Uh, so, uh, what happens? I, I, I will claim a victory in this case, which is to say, I did determine in that moment, you know what? 
I don't know what God is doing with this rain business. It's not how I would have done it. But you know what? God is still God. And God's plans are still God's plans. I've done my duty. Our church has done the church's duty. And now we're ready to see what God is up to. That's all we can do. And I was very pleased with how that day turned out. The rain eventually did stop. The kids, as far as I'm aware, had a wonderful time. The food was still served and eaten, and it was a great day, right? Would I have drawn it that way myself? No. If I had gotten mired in the rain and and the frustration of that, would I have seen it the same way? No. But instead, I put it back in God's hands, and I say, God, you know what? This is yours. And that's that. Paul, I imagine, did much the same thing. (laughs) He said, you know, God, I wouldn't have drawn up the fact that I was going to get near stoned to death in every city I enter into, but that's what you did. And you still moved. And you still made disciples. And now you and I are here 2,000 years later, and we know that the movement of God was very much afoot in Paul's missionary journeys. So number two, reframe our daily experiences of life, not looking for the ways in which the rain is falling, but looking for the ways in which God is actually moving. Number three, listen to other people's stories. Listen to other people's stories. Ask a friend, a family member, to tell you a story about a meaningful time in their life. Ask others for stories of hope. This is a shameless plug for Wednesday night. (laughs) On Wednesday, we will have a 3WM, third Wednesday of the month. We're going to meet up here at 7 o'clock. We're going to gather in a circle. And uh, if you've been, we always have a topic. And we tell stories about that topic. And this week, guess what? Hope, right? And I want us to come, I want us to gather, and I want us to talk about the ways in which we have found hope. The most meaningful of hopes hopefully, Uh, and then also the small hopes, the the little age hopes, right? All of them are certainly welcome. But there's something about sharing our stories together, both the saying of it and the receiving of it from other people, in which we are inspired by other people's stories of hope. And so when I feel hopeless and the emotion of hope isn't to be had, I might be able to cling to yours, In the same way that sometimes when my faith wanes, I can see faith in somebody else and I can cling to that until my faith returns in its fullness. Number four, share your hope with others. Whether you realize it or not, you have a sphere of influence. From the youngest of us to the oldest of us, you have a sphere of influence. Someone in your life is listening to you, is watching you. Maybe it's your child, maybe it's a coworker, a classmate, a friend, a teacher even. It's probably more people than you realize because we are more influential than we realize. And so with this in mind, you, if you are a Christian, have hope with a capital H. And it's a hope that cannot be defeated. 
It's a hope that was brought from the future into the present with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only must we live like it, but we must share it. In the most authentic way possible, listen, in the most authentic way possible, we must learn to share the hope that we have. When we walk through storms and trials, we should be holding our heads high. And why? Because we have that character of hope that is being built into the very fabric of our being. Our north star of hope, the light that shines our way, is that Christ has been raised from the dead, and because of that, we know that the ultimate redemption of the world is going to happen, and we believe that peace with God and communion with God is possible. Because Christ has died and was raised again from the dead, we know that whatever storms may come, and whatever trial or tribulation may come, we will not be put to shame as Paul says in Romans 5. God is working redemption as I speak this moment. And this hope is too great not to share. So I ask you again, are you a person of hope? And I ask you also, who in your life is watching you? Who in your life needs hope? Who in your life will you share this hope with. My challenge to you this week, just one. One person. Someone will come across your path this week who needs hope. This isn't me being prophetic. This is me knowing humanity. You are going to bump into somebody this week who needs hope. Will you share hope with them? Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have worked all things together for our good. You have sent your Son, Jesus Christ, into our lives to die for our sin, to be raised again from the dead, to defeat the powers of death and evil. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and you have poured out your Spirit upon us, Lord. That is a lot of hope. God, may we be people who live into that hope. May we be people this week who share that hope with others. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.